Welcome to Nuggets Nation, where you'll find the most up-to-date news, stories, and information about the Denver Nuggets and their organization. Brought to you by your host, Ethan Hinschel. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is your host, Ethan, back with Nuggets Nation, episode 30. I'm here to recap tonight's game for the Denver Nuggets against the Sacramento Kings. The Denver Nuggets won 117-96. This was an incredibly victory, victorious game for the Denver Nuggets. And I'll get into all the reasons why, but first I want to announce a giveaway that I'm doing. One of my first 500 subscribers who follows my podcast on whatever platform you choose to listen to will have an opportunity to win a free Nikola Jokic jersey. All you have to do is subscribe and follow. If you win, I will DM you asking for your size. You'll let me know and I'll ship it out. It's that simple. I look forward to giving away, so make sure you give me a follow and let your friends know about this podcast too. I would really appreciate that. And if you even are interested, leaving a positive review would be wonderful. I would love to hear positive feedback from you guys. So that would be tremendous. But to transition into tonight's game for the Denver Nuggets against the Sacramento Kings, the Denver Nuggets were looking to avoid being swept in the season series 4-0 to the Sacramento Kings. There is a bit of a caveat to that statement. In the previous three losses to the Sacramento Kings, two of which were coming on the second night of a back-to-back, both of which were on the road. The third loss was rather inexcusable loss. They lost on February 14th, so two weeks to this date at home to the Sacramento Kings. They were without Jamal Murray and KCP in that game. However, they were up big, not like tremendously big, but they had a lead in that game, and they shouldn't have lost that game. That was a blown game at home in which they should have won. But fortunately, they were able to get some revenge tonight against the Sacramento Kings, who were without De'Aaron Fox, who is a massive loss for them. He's probably their best. I think he's better than Sabonis. He's their best player, in my opinion. Um, And he really, really closed. He was a huge reason as to why the Denver Nuggets lost two weeks ago in Denver, because De'Aaron Fox closed that game out so strong and so well and really led Sacramento to victory in that game. But tonight, without De'Aaron Fox, the Nuggets were going to be... not the the Sacramento Kings were going to be in a bit of a struggle in terms of offensive rhythm without him, so the Nuggets needed to take advantage of that. Unfortunately for the Nuggets, they got off to a rather poor start, similar to the Warriors game for those who watched that game and who, those who didn't. No worries at all. I'm here to recap it anyways. But the Nuggets got off to a really slow start in the Warriors game and in tonight's game, similarly. And that's not a tendency that the Nuggets want to get into. It's not a habit that we want to develop, but I don't think it's anything to be too worrisome about. I think it was a bit lethargic start. They were without De'Aaron Fox, as I said, the Sacramento Kings, and the Nuggets knew that, and I think that probably affected the way they started because they knew they didn't have to start, like, straight on the gas. Like, they could ease into it a little bit. I don't agree with that philosophy. I think you should start 100% from the get-go, and I know the Nuggets, and I do know the Nuggets believe that. However, sometimes you just can't for whatever reason there is, and the Nuggets got down 15, 16 points early in this game the largest lead for the Kings was 15 points um and the Nuggets the Nuggets had a slow start uh from midway into the second quarter to midway into the third quarter the Nuggets really picked it up but the first quarter was rather ugly the Nuggets got outscored 35 to 28 they allowed Sacramento to shoot 7 of 10 from 3 in the first quarter and you can't do that if you allow seven threes in one quarter especially on 7 of 10 shooting 70% from three for the opposing team. When Sacramento loves to shoot threes, that's their DNA. They love, love to shoot threes, and you let them shoot a 70% clip, they're going to win. And fortunately for the Nuggets, they were able to put their foot down, really defend the three-point shot well, which allowed them to 
win today's game. And that was kind of the turning point for the Nuggets was their effort on the defensive end, which channeled into just offensive execution, which is seemingly what the Nuggets have done so well this year. And part of it is due to their just effort and engagement on the defensive end. When the Nuggets are engaged defensively, they perform so much better offensively. It's just smoother execution on the half-court offensive sets. When Jokic gets into that elbow free-throw line area and guys are backdoor cutting off their man like at an angle uh, to the basket for a layup or whether guys are moving around on the three-point line for a shot or KCP's coming around for a handoff for like a pull-up, one dribble, no dribble, like jumper from two feet, three feet behind the free-throw line or in that restricted area part of the court. The Nuggets are really lethal when they get into those sets and when they execute them consistently. And they did exactly that tonight, starting in like roughly six, six, seven minute of stretch of the second quarter. They really took over. And a lot of that was their physicality. I thought Aaron Gordon really helped to establish the Nuggets change in whatever you want to call it. Change in play would be the best way to describe it. Change in play. And his physicality kind of, they they found a bit of a hole in the Sacramento Kings defense. Sorry, I was like trying to find the right word in that sentence. They found a hole in the Sacramento Kings defense, and that was trying to have whoever was guarding Aaron Gordon to have the person switch off him and have Aaron Gordon get on the one, two, or three for the Sacramento Kings. Ideally, the one or the two for a massive size mismatch deep down in the paint. And once they discovered that, they were really targeting him, and he was getting really deep down inside the restrict. He was got so many buckets in the, like the restricted circle tonight because they understood what was working, and they continued to feed Aaron Gordon. And I think that is something that the Denver Nuggets do so well this season and even last season is when something's going for them in terms of a player and a certain play within the offense, they continue to do that and exploit the defense until the defense counters it. And what's so special about the Denver Nuggets, for those who haven't realized it yet, and if you haven't, no worries, I'm here to share, is the Nuggets have counters for other teams' counters. They always seemingly have a counter for whatever you throw at them. And that's what makes the Denver Nuggets so great. And I don't think that's what's talked about amongst mainstream media. I know the DNVR guys talk about it. They're a great podcast. And I know J.J. Redick may have slightly alluded to it in his podcast that he has the other day or week he talked about KCP and the value that he brings to the Denver Nuggets and how he should be talked a bit more about in a Derek White type of player conversation and Derek White is a tremendous player and I think KCP is right within that type of player the Nuggets don't ask KCP to do a whole lot beyond defensive end and making tough shots on offense and that is actually a tough job, 100%. He's got one of the harder jobs in the teams. But when comparatively in the half-court offense to Jamal Murray, Jokic, and Porter, or even Aaron Gordon and KCP is the fifth option, and that's totally fine. And he embraces that role, and I think that's what makes KCP so great is that he doesn't really care because he just understands that it's really important for him to just play within the flow of the Denver Nuggets offense. And to get back to what I was saying about Aaron Gordon and how so many of his points came within the paint, he had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven baskets, all seven. He was seven of eight shooting the ball today. Seven of his eight baskets were all within the paint and four were within the restricted circle. So that just shows, like I was saying, how dominant he was inside the paint and how they really exploited the Kings 
in terms of their physicality, the Denver Nuggets. And I know the Kings are actually one of the better defensive paint teams in the NBA, but the Denver Nuggets are one of the best paint offensive teams in the NBA. And I am on the belief and on the wavelength of when you score in the paint and establish physicality and just we're going to out-muscle you and outplay you physically, I think it's a bit of a mental edge, to be honest. And I, I really, really believe this. And some people might push back, but I don't really care, to be honest. I think it's the truth. And most importantly, when you establish that mental edge, saying that you're going to be more physical than the opponent, I think you have a huge advantage because psychology in the game of basketball is for sure important and often it is not talked about. And I'm not here to talk about psychology as I don't know a tremendous amount about psychology. I understand that mental health and all that matters, but I'm not a psychology. I didn't major in psychology in college. That's not my major. And I've done some research, but I'm by no means an expert. So I'm not going to really say my opinion on it beyond the fact that when you get in someone's head mentally within a game of a sport, especially basketball, you have an edge and the other team might be a little more trigger happy to shoot a poorer shot, not as good a shot on the offensive end or make a silly mistake on the defensive end just because you're in their head a little defense in, in their head a little. And I think it goes well for the long course of the game. The game is 48 minutes. And if you can establish that just little psychological edge that you're just going to out physical them it doesn't matter that even the Nuggets, not the Nuggets, sorry, geez. The Sacramento Kings are one of the best defensive paint teams in the league. It doesn't matter as we're one of the best, if not the best. I know I don't know if statistically if they're the best. I can figure that out and include it at the end of this podcast episode. Uh, it doesn't matter. We have the mental edge and we just believe that we're going to out-physical you. And they did exactly that. And it really showed tonight for the Denver Nuggets. Like I said, Aaron Gordon really did well in the paint tonight establishing himself and that's really what led the Nuggets turnaround in this in the second quarter was their paint execution and just the shot the three-point shot wasn't necessarily falling tremendously in the first quarter and into the early parts of the second quarter and it later did fall for the Nuggets and they shot the ball well but they got into a good offensive rhythm when they were making shots in the paint and I think that's the secret sauce for the Denver Nuggets is executing and establishing their offensive role in the paint because whether it's Aaron Gordon, Nicole Jokic, or even Michael Porter driving and making tough floaters, which he's tremendously good at and really improved at, I think that's an underrated part of Michael Porter's game is his float game and how well-versed he is, off whether it's off the pass from the cut from Jokic or Gordon when he's cutting into the lane, or if it's a one-two dribble floater from the baseline around the around the elbow. He's really developed that shot really well, and it's a really it's a really tough shot. He makes it look really easy. And I think that's something to point out. But the Nuggets are best when they establish themselves in the paint because when the Nuggets are good in the paint, that means teams have to crash in on them on the paint. And the Nuggets have a multitude of really good three-point shooters in KCP, Jamal Murray, and Michael Porter. Those are three of the NBA's best three-point shooters. And when you're doubling Aaron Gordon or doubling Nikola Jokic in, down inside the paint, those guys, someone's got to be open. And the Nuggets rotate the ball so well out of double teams. They make, whether it's just one pass after the double team or two passes, and they're swinging the ball around and moving it and cutting well off the, like double teams or even triple teams for Jokic sometimes. 
they execute in those possessions and in those sets so well. And when you do that, the defense that or the defense and the opposing team that you're playing against really has no shot. Like they, they can't really do anything. Like you're establishing yourself in the paint saying you guard Aaron Gordon one-on-one or Nicole Jokic one-on-one in the paint. They're going to score an easy two in the paint every trip down. So now you double or triple them. You're not going to triple Aaron Gordon, but you might double Aaron Gordon or triple Jokic. Uh, now KCP, MPJ, Jamal, someone's open. And sometimes it's Christian Braun off the bench, Reggie Jackson, Peyton Watson, even Zeke Naji. Like, they got good shooters. They're going to shoot the ball. Justin Holiday. like, you don't want to leave them open. And there's certain guys of those bunch that you'd rather leave open than others, like Peyton Watson, Zeke Naji, and Christian Braun right now. Christian Braun is actually shooting better the ball as of late. But, you know, you got to pick your poison when you're doubling or tripling those two guys for the Denver Nuggets. And that's when the Nuggets reach such an elite level of basketball play is when they establish themselves in the paint. And that's what led them to their turnaround tonight. And I'll now get into it. I just wanted to establish that because the Nuggets are now 4-0 out the All-Star break, which is a t- tremendous record. They are 2-0 in their tough six-game stretch, and they are playing really well. This is championship basketball, and another thing that I'd like to add before I get into some smaller statistics for today's game about individual players and just team stats for today's game is the Phil Jackson theory. And I really believe the Phil Jackson theory and I'll add a little bit at the end of this podcast because I want to make sure that the stat I'm bringing is absolutely correct. I believe it is, but I just want to double check, which is why I'm going to wait to say it at the end of the podcast. But his theory is that in order to win an NBA championship, you have to win 40, you have to get 40 wins before you lose 20 games in the regular season. And the Nuggets are 40 and 19 now. So they're 21 games above 500, which is their season high. They're playing really good basketball off the all-star break. And... They did it last year. They won 40 games before they lost 20 games last year. And I believe myself, that's also a really good barometer. And if we look at the NBA standings as of right now, there's one game ongoing. The Los Angeles Lakers are playing the LA Clippers. It's a good game. Uh, so before the conclusion of that game, because the Clippers are 37-19, and 19, there are currently four teams that fit into that group. Boston Celtics, NBA's best regular season team so far. They're 45 and 12. The Minnesota Timberwolves are 41 and 17. The OKC Thunder are 40 and 17. The Denver Nuggets are now 40 and 19. So all four of those teams are. The Cleveland Cavaliers lost tonight to improve to go 37 and 20. So they just missed the cut. And it's tough because you got to win 40 before you lose 20. And that's really, really hard to do because that means you play consistent, good basketball from day one through the regular season. And teams like the Cavaliers, they're really good. The Cavaliers are a very good team. And I know I don't really talk about the Cavaliers ever because they're in the Eastern Conference, but I'm just pointing them out here because they caught fire midway through the season and they really elevated their record and they didn't have the best start to the season and like early third part of the season. But if they were consistent there, plus they're a really good like run I think they won like I don't even know I don't even want to say but I think they won like somewhere between like 8 and 12 in a row they were on fire and they would for sure have 40 wins before they would have 20 losses but they don't and they even went on such a good win streak like I said so it's really impressive to win 40 games before you lose 20 so it's something to not announce or even talk about is is absolutely a talking point because it is really hard to be consistent in the NBA, and the Denver Nuggets are so good at that. And 
to do it back-to-back years is incredibly impressive. And the Denver Nuggets are frankly not being talked about and recognized by the mainstream media as obviously they're NBA title contenders. We know that as Nuggets fans, they're trying to repeat. But for the defending NBA champions, they're 40-19. and They're two games back of the Minnesota Timberwolves for first place in the Western Conference. They have the fourth best record in the NBA. Like, they are an elite, elite team. And Jokic is having an incredible MVP caliber season. He should win his third MVP in four years. Uh, We don't know if that will happen because the NBA doesn't like to give it out to the same guy more than twice, it seems, in the past like six, seven years. Like Giannis won it twice. Steph won it twice. Jokic has won it twice. Embiid won it once. If you want to argue he was going to win it twice this again this year, was he the potential frontrunner to an MVP? Sure, but there's a massive caveat. Even if he didn't tear his meniscus, okay, totally fine to play that game. I don't think he would have met the 65-game threshold marker to be eligible to win MVP. I just don't think he would have. And so I don't really care that he tore his meniscus. I mean, I feel bad for the guy. I don't say that negatively or rudely at all. That's not what I mean by that statement. I more mean that the notion that he was the front runner before he tore his meniscus is flawed because I think he was going to get a nagging injury. He's just that type of player. Like He can't stay healthy for a majority of the season, and I don't think he was going to play 65 games. So I think it was going to be Jokic, Shea Gillis, Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum, those guys, and that's kind of the race. And I know there's some NBA pundits talking about how I know Kendrick Perkins today. Kendrick Perkins last year he hated the Nuggets. He was he was really anti Nuggets. He was not a fan of Nikola Jokic in the Denver Nuggets. This year, he's been more of a fan of the team. Frankly, it doesn't matter what these pundits say. Honestly, I don't want to say their opinion's worthless because I think that's a little rude and I'm not going to be rude, but their opinion, it doesn't really matter. Let's be super honest. You can respect and appreciate certain guys' opinions and growls' opinions on these networks like ESPN and Fox, whatever, wherever they broadcast these TV shows, sports TV shows, but... At the end of the day, it's the people who vote for MVP. Those are the people who count. And not only that, but you the, the idea that Jokic shouldn't win because we're just like the mainstream audience is just tired of seeing him dominate is a ludicrous argument. That's ridiculous because if he deserves to win, he should win. And the logic that like, oh, but he's going to win three and four years, like it doesn't matter. That's how good the man is. He is an... Hall of Fame, generational. I don't even know if he's generational. I don't I don't think he is generational. I think he's better than generational. I think he's a once-in-a-lifetime player. I don't ever think the NBA is going to see another player like Nikola Jokic, a guy who's seven feet, 250, is going to bang like going to bang bodies down in the post and score tough twos, is going to hit threes off one leg, is going to take sombre shuffles, is going to make the craziest passes we see in the NBA, is going to rebound the fucking shit out the ball. Like, I don't really know how, like how you'd see that type of player again. I think that's a 2K archetype of a player. And then and that's exactly who Nikola Jokic is. Maybe Victor Wembanyama I'm not even comparing him to Nikola Jokic, but like in my eyes he could be the only one who could even emulate what Nikola Jokic does on a basketball court cuz he's super athletic. He can dribble the ball, he can rebound the ball, he blocks the shit out of the ball. His his blocks are insane. He's in, con- he's in contention to win Defensive Player of the Year in his first year, which is insane. And 
he's going to be a generational type player, if not better. But to get back to the Denver Nuggets and just record and teams, their Nuggets are in a great spot. And I do want to get into the stats for today's game, which I will. But I just wanted to talk about that. And one thing before I get into about today's game, it is a stat about today's game. So I guess it's just jumping and transitioning right into it, which I love to do for those who are not aware. I love to transition right into our game stats. For me, like, this podcast is about, I don't want to waste your fucking time. Like, I don't want to have any bullshit in this podcast. Like, let's get right to it. Let's talk about what's important. And I want to give you guys the best recap and the most important stats and just noteworthy things that I've noticed in the game. And we're going to do that right now. So, Nikola Jokic had his fourth straight triple-double. I'll repeat that. He had his fourth straight triple-double. That is insane. And guess what? It, It gets even better. He had his fourth straight triple-double before the fourth quarter. That's crazy. Crazy. It's insane. That alone should just put him in MVP contention beyond what he does on the basketball court. And some stats that I want to bring in to this podcast from the game that the announcers talked about were, one, is that he has 11 triple doubles this season before the fourth quarter begins. That's crazy. It's the most in the NBA. And that's more than the entire Eastern Conference has I believe combined, I just want to check that out before I say 100% it's combined, but the Eastern Conference has seven, is what Chris Marlowe said on the Altitude Sports broadcast for tonight's game, and that's crazy. He's He's got more triple-doubles before the fourth quarter than the entire Eastern Conference combined. So that's what I'm talking about when I don't think we're ever going to see a player like Nikola Jokic again, and I know I talk about on this podcast like how thankful and grateful I am to watch Nikola Jokic because... It's so fun watching the guy, and he's just such a joy to watch, and just even just as a character, as a human being, he's such a tremendous person. And that stat is crazy. He's 11 triple-doubles before the fourth quarter. That's insane. But we're not just going to talk about triple-doubles on this podcast. Though we said four straight, and though they're all before the fourth quarter, wins are more important, and the Nuggets did that, 117-96, to as I said. Jamal Murray was absolutely incredible tonight. He had arguably his best game of the season. He had 32 points, six assists, three rebounds, 13 of 15 shooting. I'll repeat that. 13 of 15 shooting the ball tonight. Five of six from three and one of one from the free throw line. Jamal Murray missed two shots tonight. That is insane. And we're not talking he shot four shots and went two of four. He was 13 of 15 tonight. So, Hats off to Jamal Murray. You played absolute, absolutely one hell of a game, dude. Like, kudos to you. Flowers to you. Like, tremendous respect to Jamal Murray. And he's also been nursing a bit of, a, like, a lower leg injury. And when Jamal Murray is coming off two days of rest, he's been so good this season. And they were coming off two days of rest. And that might have been part of due to – that might be part of the reason due to the Nuggets – slow start was they were lethargic due to the time off they had and they were lacking a little consistency and rhythm but once they established it it was all right we're running the kings out the gym and that's what the nuggets did and they were led by jamal murray Nikola Jokic did not put up the most the biggest stat line ever he had a triple double which is really impressive and jamal murray did that in 33 minutes might i add too he didn't play like 39 40 minutes he did that in 33 minutes which is not a ton that's that's less than three quarters of gameplay Jokic had 14 points. He was a plus 37. Plus 37. For those who don't know what plus minus means, it is when 
you're on the court and you score, you have plus two, the other team scores a two or a three, it's zero or minus one. So he was on the court where the Nuggets outscored the Sacramento Kings by 37 points. That is insane. Crazy. Like, crazy. Every night, Jokic has some crazy stat line, whether it's triple doubles, points, rebounds, assists, plus, minus, it doesn't matter. The guy is MVP. He is an absolute legend. He is the best player in the NBA. He is the best player in the world. It doesn't matter what you do. Double team, triple team, guard him one-on-one, he'll beat you. It doesn't matter. He's the ultimate team player, and that's what makes the Nuggets great is because when your best player and the best player in the world's an ultimate team player and does whatever it means to get a dub, a win, that message and that like idea carries on to the team like that is the culture of the Denver Nuggets and that is what makes them so great but Nikola Jokic had 14 points 14 rebounds one of those was offensive 13 were defensive 11 assists three steals one block on five of nine shooting he took zero threes and was four four from the free throw line just a tremendous game from Jokic though his stat line was a lot rather like almost lack lackluster I yeah I'm like smiling as I say that like I don't think lackluster is the right word the man had a triple double and was a plus 37 but it was he did worse than he usually does and he had a triple double <laughs> like that's how good this guy is right like that that's how good this guy is he he had a triple double in it and it and it wasn't his best game like what it's it's crazy I don't know I I think you just got to sit back sometimes and appreciate it because if you don't you're letting greatness pass you by, and that's a mistake. Let me tell you, okay? That is a mistake. Don't let greatness pass you by. You got to be present. Enjoy the moment. I absolutely am present, and I absolutely enjoy the Nuggets every single time they get out there. It doesn't matter whether they're playing the Washington Wizards or the Boston Celtics. It frankly doesn't matter. I look forward to watching the Denver Nuggets every single night. But to go more back into the game now, I just, I don't know. I You got to talk so highly about Jokic, and I do always, but sometimes there's you run out of words to describe his greatness and tonight it's one of those nights where it's I I don't know what else to say about the man besides that he's a hall of famer two-time MVP should be three-time MVP and he's a legend and we love Nikola Jokic but all the Denver Nuggets starters had double figures tonight Michael Porter had 14 points five rebounds one assist he was five of 11 shooting two of six from three he was good tonight he was a plus 35. Aaron Gordon was huge tonight. As I said, he was 7 of 8 earlier in the podcast, like I said. 7 of those buckets. All in the paint. 17 points for Aaron Gordon. 6 assists. He's been really good passing the ball lately, I gotta say. 6 rebounds, one of those offensive. He missed 1-3. That was his 1 miss. And 3 of 4 from the free throw line. And then finally, KCP, who's still nursing a bit of a hand injury. And before I go to KCP, I just want to say Michael Porter and Aaron Gordon each played 24 minutes and Jokic played 32. So the starters got some good rest, which is hugely important because the Denver Nuggets play tomorrow night against the Miami Heat for a rematch of the NBA Finals on TNT, which will be an awesome game. The Miami Heat are playing really well lately and you want your starters rested so you can play big minutes for that game. So they're in a position to do that, which is awesome. But KCP, who's still nursing a bit of a pinky injury, his hand's still wrapped up, and it's still 100% affecting his shot. You could see it in warm-ups. You could see it a bit in-game. He had 16 points, plus 38, which is crazy once again. Four assists, two rebounds, one of those offensive. He had three steals. He's so good defensively. Six of 10 shooting, four of six from three. 
KCP is such a good role player and he's such a good player. Like there isn't enough that you can say about KCP. His value that he brings to this team is so tremendous and it, it goes unnoticed so much. And I know if you're a Denver Nuggets fan, you probably see it. But if you're not a Denver Nuggets fan, you don't see the value in KCP. And that's kind of what I was talking about with JJ Redick and the rest of the mainstream media, just not really recognizing KCP. And JJ Redick is one of the first people to kind of group him in with Derek White. And I think he kind of is. I don't know if he's got the most advanced game. I think Derek White's probably a smidge better. I, I'd take KCP, but they're similar players, I'd argue. And Derek White, I think, does a little more off the dribble for the Boston Celtics, but it's different system and a different offense asked to do different things. So it's different. You can't just compare them one-to-one. I think that's such a flawed aspect of the NBA is that when we compare guys, it's like we're forgetting that, like, A, every coach runs their own system. And some are similar to others 100%. But if you're comparing player A who has a system and you're comparing player B who has a vastly different system, they you're just comparing, like, points, rebounds, assists in terms of, like, even per 36 minutes stat or just for average for the game. It's not necessarily a fair comparison because a guy like, I'm trying to think of a guy right now, uh, like KCP. KCP is a great example. He doesn't get the shot volume he necessarily deserves for a player of his talent because it's within the Nuggets offense. He's the fifth option on offense and for amongst the starters. Versus a guy like, D'Angelo Russell, let's say, on the Los Angeles Lakers. He's the third option on the Lakers. It's LeBron, AD, or AD, LeBron, D'Angelo, whatever order you want to put it. And he puts up a lot more shots than KCP. But I'd rather have KCP than D'Angelo Russell. And I bet the Lakers would too. It's kind of funny, right? Because the Lakers traded KCP. I don't know. Sorry. Got to get a dig at the Lakers whenever possible, you know, because the Nuggets own them. Let's not forget that. But (laughs) got to get back to this game, though. But, uh... The game, it, it it was as good as perfect as you're going to get, honestly. This game was really good for the Denver Nuggets. The bench the bench was not good. That That's that's what made this game almost perfect, I would say. That's what held it from being perfect. Zeke Naji played 14 minutes. He had no points. He was a minus 19. He had three blocks. I thought, his, I thought his rim protection has really improved as well as his paint defense in the past week plus in which he's played. Peyton Watson was a minus 18. Justin Holiday was a minus 14. Reggie was a plus 12, but that's only because he stunts with the starters when Jamal sits. And the other guys like Julian, Jalen, Jay Huff, and Hunter Tyson, I don't want to count those guys because those were absolute scrub minutes. And the fourth quarter was a lot of scrub minutes because the Nuggets were up at that point. Uh, 28 points, I think, entering the fourth quarter. Um, So... Yeah, like, it's a bit of a wash. I don't want to say it's a complete wash, but it's a bit of a wash. There are some things you can always look for. I did watch the entirety of the game, as I always do, of course. Even when the Nuggets are getting blown out in some instances this season, I 100% watch all 48 minutes. I'm a Nuggets fan through and through. The good days, the bad days. Doesn't matter. I watch the games. And on top of that, the bench has got to be better. They can't play this way. I know they had leads at some point, and they just couldn't really get a rhythm it doesn't matter you got to be better because the playoffs are around the corner they're relatively soon and you just need to have better bench play and for the Denver Nuggets to win another championship they have got to have better bench play as I've said in the past and I said at times I think the bench is turning around when I say that the bench then takes two steps back then I call out the bench they seem to take a step forward so 
I'm calling them out now. So maybe they'll take a step forward or two. So we'll see. But I think the value that Zeke Naji can bring off the bench, like I've said, is really tremendous because when he can play and stretch out your rotation to nine men, you're just giving guys more rest and more minutes. And that's really important. And the Denver Nuggets have really set themselves up to be successful down this stretch now. Entering the All-Star break, they had 27 games. Now there's 23 games. Nuggets are 4-0. They've won all four of their games out the All-Star break by 15-plus points, which is, I think, a franchise record or tied a franchise record. I saw a stat at the end of the game that said that. And blowing teams out is really important because you get to rest your starters. Nikola Jokic didn't play in the fourth quarter. Aaron Gordon didn't play in the fourth quarter. I don't believe Michael Porter Jr. played in the fourth quarter. Jamal Murray played a little bit in the fourth quarter. But getting three of your five starters, and I don't know if KCP did. I would have to check that out. Full rest in the fourth quarter is huge on the first night of a back-to-back, especially against a team that you need to win just for the psychological edge, like I talked about earlier in this podcast episode, because you don't want to get swept in the season series. And they're without De'Aaron Fox. So this is a rather must-win game. And Michael Malone talked about, even previous knowing De'Aaron Fox was out with a knee contusion injury, uh, how Nuggets wanted to come into this game angry because the Sacramento Kings beat them in Denver two weeks ago in an ugly game in which the Denver Nuggets should have won, and then they beat them twice in Sacramento this season. So it just leaves a bitter taste in your mouth. And if you're a competitor like I am and like all the Denver Nuggets are, they're much more of a competitor than I am. But I am a competitor. I grind. I work hard 100%, and I make sure this podcast is the best it can be, which comes from a competitive standpoint. Uh you want to win. And Mike Malone talked about that, how they were going to come into this game with a bit of an edge. I didn't see that initially, but as we got into the start of the second quarter, they had an edge. And to end the first half, the Nuggets went on a 33-8 to run. They outscored the Sacramento Kings by 25 points, which turned the game around for them. Then, midway through the second quarter to essentially like midway through the third quarter to through the third quarter, the Nuggets were on a 68-25 to run. 68-25 to run. They outscored the Kings by 43 points during that window so that's absolutely insane and just crazy crazy run the Nuggets went on really nothing else to say beyond that and I'll get into some team stats before I conclude this podcast and preview the upcoming game against the Miami Heat but this was a really good game from the Denver Nuggets as I've said they improved to 23 and 5 at home this season the Denver Nuggets held the Sacramento Kings to less than 100 points which is always an achievement in today's NBA because offenses are so good in today's NBA that even without De'Aaron Fox, that's an impressive stat within itself. They held the Kings to 40% shooting from two, 34 from three. The Denver Nuggets themselves shot 53.5% from two, 42.9% from three. They were 15 to 35 shooting the ball from three tonight. The Denver Nuggets were 10 of 11 from the free throw line for 91%, 90.9. I'm rounding up. And that's a tremendous free throw line percentage. I'd like to see them get more attempts, but the percentage is great. Rebounds were tied for each team at 43 apiece. The Sacramento Kings did have 15 offensive rebounds, which has been a struggle for the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets have got to get better at securing missed three-point shots. That's their biggest weakness right now on the defensive end, I would say, is getting rebounds off missed threes, especially long threes. They really struggle with that for some reason. The Nuggets out-assisted the Sacramento Kings as expected, 35 to 28. They had more steals, 10 to 8. They had more blocks, 6 to 5. They did have 16 turnovers to the Sacramento Kings, 14 turnovers. However, some of those were in the fourth quarter, so a bit of a caveat, but you'd like to see those turnovers go down. A lot of those were in the first quarter, which didn't allow the Nuggets to establish a rhythm. The Nuggets are such an incredible team that usually when they can't establish a rhythm, it's self-inflicted 
doing. It's not really the other team. I'm not here to say that there aren't good teams in the NBA that make the Nuggets struggle their work. They abs- there are absolutely a handful of teams that do. But for the most part, Nuggets, when they can't find a rhythm on offense because they have an elite, elite NBA offense, it's their own self-doing. And it was turnovers that really led to a lack of rhythm. So that would be the biggest takeaway is you need to cut down the turnovers and work on the rebounding off missed three-point shots. Um, points off turnovers were not good. The Sacramento Kings had 28 to the Nuggets, 13. So 28 of the 96 points for the Sacramento Kings were off turnovers. So cut your turnovers down by three or four, and you might shave six, eight points off the board or off an already really good defensive game in which you allowed 96. So that's really impressive. Fast break points, the Nuggets had 26 to 14 points in the paint. The Nuggets were outscored 44 to four, 44 to 40, and the Nuggets' biggest lead was 32. So those were some team stats that I thought were important. Kind of just went through a variety of team stats, and the Nuggets... This is a really good start of a back-to-back. I, I don't think you can ask for much better of a start to a back-to-back. KCP was good tonight, though his hand is injured. And just like when we look at Jamal Murray's shot chart, which I'm looking at right now on my iPad, he missed two shots, like I said. One was a deep three. The other was a tough layup or just tough shot inside the paint. And he made four threes. Tough shots, just elbow shots, like fades. He's so good off the dribble. Like, Jamal Murray is so underrated. He does not get the credit he deserves. I know the announcers talked about how Jamal Murray is the second best guard behind Steph Curry in three-point percentage this season. Behind Steph Curry, the greatest three-point shooter ever, the greatest shooter ever. That's incredibly impressive. And the guy didn't make the All-Star game when he's averaging 20-plus points and six assists. Like, what? What are we doing here? I know I talked about it then and went on a bit of a rant. I'm not going to go on a rant here now, but he doesn't get the respect he deserves. And I thought, you know, dropping averaging 20 and 10 in the NBA finals, he'd, he'd get that respect, but he seemingly hasn't. But it might edge him. I think it gives him a bit of an edge. And I think that's a great thing to have for the Denver Nuggets. You always want your players playing with a bit of an edge. And he did. And to kind of now get into the Miami Heat game tomorrow night for the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets face off against the Miami Heat at home. The Denver Nuggets are 40-19, and 19, like I said. They're 23-5 and five at home this season, so they have an elite home record, the second best in the NBA. And the Miami Heat are 33-25. and 25. The Miami Heat have won five straight games. They're on a win streak. That's a sizable win streak. They're 8-2 and two in their past 10. They're climbing the Eastern Conference standings. And on their five-game win streak, they've beat some good teams. I'll go through the teams they've beat. They beat the, Mi- they beat the Milwaukee Bucks without Jimmy Butler. They beat the 76ers on the road without Embiid, so that's a big caveat. Sixers have been really struggling without Embiid. Makes sense. They beat the Pelicans on the road. Tough game. Zion's good. Pelicans have a good squad. They beat the Kings on the road without Jimmy. Tough game. They beat the Trailblazers on the road back-to-back. Trailblazers aren't good, but back-to-backs are never easy. And then they travel to Denver tomorrow for a game against the NBA champs. The Nuggets, as of right now, are favored by four and a half points. So Vegas is really not underestimating the Miami Heat. They believe that they're really good, and I do too. I think the Miami Heat are to not be underestimated. Like I said to my friends last year at the finals, I know I didn't have a podcast at that point in time. Hopefully, the Nuggets make it to another finals this year and win, and I'll be able to podcast through the championship run again. But as I talked to my friends, 
last year. The Miami Heat are not to be underestimated. They beat the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. They are an elite, elite team, and they play such good team basketball. They're coached incredibly well. They have one of the best coaches in the NBA, and they're a very good defensive team. They're allowing just under 110 points a game, allowing 109.9 points a game. The Denver Nuggets are right there, though, in terms of points allowed per game. The Denver Nuggets are allowing 110.4 points per game, so they're 0.5 point difference there. So we're talking less than half a point. So not much, but the Denver Nuggets defense has been better as of late, which is really important. The Denver Nuggets are on a four-game win streak. So the Denver Nuggets are going to look to snap Miami's five-game win streak to cement themselves on a five-game win streak before they hit the road to go to L.A. this Saturday. So... Just this is game number three of a tough six-game stretch. It's a home game. The Denver Nuggets should win this game, though it's a back-to-back and Miami's playing well. It's going to require another great shooting night from Jamal Murray. It's going to require Aaron Gordon playing good defense against Jimmy Butler. I think Tyler Hero will play. It's unclear. The man's always injured. Uh, But if he does play, he's questionable is what ESPN says right now. Um, But if he does play... He's a good player. You got to watch out for him. Bam Adebayo is a great player, as we know from watching last year's NBA Finals. The Miami Heat are to not be underestimated. Their record is 33 and 25, so they're good, and they've been playing better as of late. So don't underestimate them. They're always a gritty team. It doesn't matter who's in or who's out. They just play a gritty style of basketball. They're annoying to play against. So it's important that the Nuggets close out their two-game homestand with a win in their back-to-back before they head off to LA. Because after this, the schedule doesn't get any easier, like I said, because they play the Heat at home tomorrow. They play the Lakers on the road on Saturday. Then they get two days off before they face off against the Phoenix Suns at home on Tuesday, March 5th. And they get a day off before they face the Boston Celtics at home again on March 7th to close out their six-game stretch. So the Suns and the Celtics are probably the best two teams of this six that they're playing right now, or maybe the Heat are better than the Suns. I don't. You can make an argument for that. Uh but you got to stack up the wins when you can because the Suns and the Celtics, in my opinion, are going to be the toughest games just because those two teams are so gifted offensively that if your shot's not falling, the defense has got to be locked in. And for the Nuggets this season, when the shot isn't falling, the defense isn't that good. So it's important that the offense continues to play well and they, they establish that defensive rhythm, especially against the Miami Heat, because it could be a defensive battle in, in tomorrow's game. I would not be surprised at all if that was the case. So my three keys for the game tomorrow are First key is to establish yourselves in the paint for the Denver Nuggets because Miami's good defensively in the paint. And to beat Miami, you have to establish yourself in the paint, be strong defensively, and then, uh, yeah, that that alludes to my second point. So establishing yourself in the paint offensively. Point number two, establish yourself defensively in the paint. Miami's going to look to get their points in the paint and then making sure you close out on Miami's three-point shooters whether it's Duncan Robinson, Jimmy Butler, they have a slew of three-point shooters. It doesn't matter. You got to close out on them and you got to rebound the ball. That That's kind of like the third slash fourth key. I know there's two third keys, so I guess a fourth key is you got to rebound the ball. The Miami Heat are an excellent rebounding team. I know I talk a lot about it. And for those who remember, I'm on the belief and one of my favorite philosophies in the NBA is the team who wins the rebounding battle often wins the game. As the great Pat Riley says, he's one of the best NBA coaches of all time and best executives of all time. Not the best, one of the best, making that very clear. Don't take my words out of context. And he has instilled that message within Eric Spolster, the head coach of the Miami Heat, who is a three-time NBA champion as a head coach, or three, two, 
two two or three uh two at minimum because he won twice lebron i just don't remember if pat riley was the coach when they won in like 07 i think it was or 06 against i don't even know who's against but with Dwayne wade i was young i was five years old then so i was young then but yeah so the Denver Nuggets just they got to be consistently good and if they played like they did tonight from the second through fourth quarter when the starters were in the game, they're going to win. And they're going to win a majority of their games if they do that. So they just need to do that consistently and they're in a really good spot. But to answer all the questions slash stats I had at the start of this podcast slash halfway through that I said, I just wanted to make sure that I got the correct information about first regarding the Phil Jackson philosophy, 40 wins before you lose 20 games. The past 46 NBA champions, 42 of them have won 40 games before they lost 20. So it's it's very accurate and true. The four teams who did not were the 2021 Milwaukee Bucks. There's a slight asterisk to that because that was the COVID year, so they, were, they played fewer games, but we'll count it anyways. 2006 Miami Heat, the 2004 Pistons, and the 1995 Houston Rockets. So there's four teams who have done it. So making sure that you win 40 before you lose 19 is hugely important in order to win an NBA championship. And as I now will today, we'll recap the game tomorrow in a podcast. So stay tuned for that. And if you have not already, please subscribe to this podcast and check out all other podcasts I've done. This is episode 30. So there's 29 other great episodes to tune into. And this is a great episode too. So 30 great episodes. So make sure you tune in, listen to them all, such great content, and make sure you stay tuned for tomorrow's episode because I have a brand partnership that's really cool and you're going to want to listen to in to hear about it. So stay tuned. Have a wonderful day. Go Nuggets, and let's get this win against Miami tonight.